What's up, everyone? I'm Will Fulton, and this is Thrillist Best Podcast. So if you follow Thrillist, you know our travel team works with truckers a lot as sources on their stories. After all, they spend most of their time driving all over the country. They know our roads better than anyone. And even though we might not consider it, they truly have one of the most vital jobs around, especially right now. So on today's episode, I called four truckers while they were out on the road working, Brian, Kelly, Matt, and Nate. They're going to talk about how they got into trucking, give some road trip advice I think we all can follow, and share some of their wildest stories from the road. They definitely have some wild stories to tell. So first up, we've got Brian Brace. When I called him, he was just finishing up a trip in New Mexico. He's going to speak about trucker lingo, the most beautiful roads in the U.S., and how the trucking lifestyle can actually turn into an addiction. Here's our call. Hello, this is Brian. Hey, Brian, this is Will from Thrillist. What's going on? What's up? How are you? Good. Um, How are you? I am, well, all things considered, doing okay. I have air conditioning. (laughs) I'm in Brooklyn, so it's pretty hot today. (laughs) Yeah, I am in uh, New Mexico currently. Are you in your truck right now? Yep, I'm in my truck right now, uh, unloading uh, Tempur-Pedic mattresses down here. So, um, I, I just did a quick run today. Um, I'm down, uh, basically Las Cruces, New Mexico. I have an aunt that lives down here. So I came by to take some time off the road and hang out with her and do some bass fishing and golfing and some hiking next couple of days. So that sounds like a lot of fun. How, how long have you been driving trucks for? Um, well, <laughs> so physically driving a semi three years. Okay. Um, but I'm a third generation truck driver. I grew up in a truck. Um, my grandfather drove a truck, my father drove a truck and now I'm driving a truck. <laughs> That's awesome. So I, I've been in a truck for many years and seen a lot of changes in the industry from the time of me being a kid to now, but I'm specifically in the entertainment industry side yeah. of things in trucking, okay. um, which is a very unique side of trucking. It's hard to find drivers that can handle that kind of lifestyle. So what is that lifestyle? Why, why is the lifestyle different from, you know, shipping mattresses, for example? Well, okay. So the biggest thing is, is most truckers, uh, truck driving in general is a very unique lifestyle, Mm -hmm. right? You are the backbone of America. I mean, there's all kinds of people that say that, but trucking literally is you, there's not one thing in your apartment, condo, house, whatever your mom's basement, whatever your situation may be in life. There's not one thing anywhere around you that did not come by a truck in some ways, you know, either through the production of it, the sale of it, whatever. So trucking's huge, but it's not cut out for everybody. Within trucking are are several little subsections of trucking that are even more unique from doing oversized heavy haul things to doing entertainment. Well, with the entertainment specifically, what makes it so unique is that you're you're doing your job is moving um, the show to the next city. Mm-hmm. Typically you're only driving, you know, overnight. It's always nights. You're never wor- working during the day. Very rarely are you working days. It's always overnight. Mm. Other than that, uh, is that we're typically gone away from home for the entire length of the tour. Okay. So while most drivers get to go home, some go home every weekend, um, for entertainment industry, truckers stay out for however long that tour is. So if that tour's three months, they don't see the house for three months. If that tour's six months, a North America six month tour, they don't see the house for six months. Wow, that's crazy. So yeah. 
it, you literally are a you know a band of <laughs> gypsies, you know, because you 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 live on the road. You're you're eating catering. You're um, showering in arenas, you know, and and um, just out here on your own with a small group of people that do the same exact thing, you know, and and it's just not cut out for everyone because they like their home time or their family. They have family, you know, kids, wife, whatever that, that stops them from being able to, um, to tour. So it's a very few numbers do it. And, and it's a certain breed of people that can handle it. Can you talk about what the bands that you, uh, you, you've driven for? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well over the course of my entire touring industry is much bigger, but, yeah. um, the, the as far as physically driving, um, I've done uh, a couple, uh, quite a few. I did uh, a couple Broadway ones. Okay. Um, I did Miss Saigon, um, Phantom yeah. of the Opera. Um, I did. Uh, um, I can. I always mess it up. Les Mes, and then I've done Elton John, uh, Bob Dylan. ZZ Top was just starting. I unfortunately didn't get to do that one because of COVID-19. Mm. Um, I did a boy band called uh, Why Don't We? And that's uh, <laughs> about it as far as those have taken up quite a bit of time. Um, so, you know, it, it makes sense that the gig with, with um, you know, entertainment, traveling entertainment with bands would be shut down due to COVID. As far as trucking in general... What changes has the pandemic brought on? Because, I mean, has the supply hasn't slowed down, right? I mean, maybe it even increased, but have there been noticeable changes being out on the road just, you know, with your day-to-day job? So initially, yeah, it was like a ghost town out on the road. Yeah. I mean, it, you would come, I mean, I'd go through, I, I, let me, I'll name something out your way, um, across the GWB, yeah, right, the George Washington Bridge. I'd cruise right across that, no stopping whatsoever. Not Just common, shoot right through it. The actual, yeah. not not common at all for a big truck. Like <laughs> very rare for a big truck to be able to cruise right through the Cross Bronx Expressway and never come to a complete stop somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like totally rare. And and you know we're just shooting right through it. You'd be out. I mean, I could be out in the desert like I am now and you know it's always kind of less traffic but I, I would literally go an hour without seeing a car you know all I would see is other big trucks um so yeah the road the roads all across the nation emptied out now they're kind of back to their normal routine mm-hmm. I, I I've noticed last week they kind of traffic levels started coming back down again I'm guessing uptick in the COVID cases coming back. States are kind of halting their reopening and they're kind of dialing it back a little bit, right. um, restricting some things again, whatever. But they, they, for the most part, they're back to the same levels that they were pre-COVID-19. Uh, do you have any advice for, um, do you have terms for non-truck drivers, by the way, that you use when you're on the road? Uh, like, like things that we call people that aren't driving truck? Exactly. I'm just looking for some lingo here. Yeah. So usually if you're in a car, we call you a four-wheeler. A four-wheeler. So typically, a, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, you know, normal citizens would call, you know, uh, uh, anything, a four, you know, a four-wheeler, a four-wheeler, or a all-terrain vehicle, a four-wheeler. But truck drivers, we call cars, you know, passenger vehicles, we call them four-wheelers. Okay. So do you have any uh, advice? Then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, please. And then another one is, you know, like the typical police officer, we call him things like Smokey Bear, which is the old reference to the, 
you know, the forest fire bear with the, with the big brown round hat. Right. You know, most of our interactions are with state police officers. Most of the state police officers are wearing that hat till we call them smoky bears, you know, things like that. Uh, the blown tires on the road, we call them alligators. <laughs> alligators Ooh, i love that i'm gonna start uh implementing some of these yeah well what, what i was gonna say is for us four wheelers um just taking you know extended drives maybe we're not used to being on the road for multiple hours at a time and you as a third generation truck driver do you have any advice for people um that are going on a long trip that are going to be driving are going to be behind the wheel for a long time you know especially if someone's going to be alone and behind the wheel for a long time my biggest thing is rest breaks, take breaks, um, you know, set a goal for yourself, say, you know, in three hours, we'll stop. So if you're running across the country or even just, a, you know, an eight hour drive somewhere at the halfway point, get out. If that still seems too much, get out like two hours in, you yeah. know, just take a break, stop at a rest area, stop at a, uh, at a gas station, a restaurant, whatever you got to do, get out, stretch your legs, um, you know, and, and just breathe some air get whatever your uh, choice is of whether you're just a big water drinker, a coffee drinker or a, or energy drink, go get something like that. But bear in mind that once you start pumping in the caffeine, you got to keep it pumping until you're done because you're going to crash hard. And that's the worst place to do it <laughs> is why you're on the road. <laughs> sure. What are some of the craziest things uh, that you've seen on the road? Um, I- I'm also assuming, you know, you're in a truck, you're, you're kind of high up and you can see into other people's cars. Um, you ever see weird stuff? Yeah, all the time. Um, how, how, uh, I don't know what kind of audience face, what I could say or not say, but you can say say, uh, pretty much anything to be honest, whatever you're comfortable with. I I see a lot of self-pleasuring, which is really weird that so many people do that going down the road. (laughs) Really? I see a lot of that. Like yeah, how many times? Like more than a dozen uh, times you've seen that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, God. absolutely. <laughs> and it's not just like one gender, like it's multiple like it's across the board. So wow. I, I've seen I've seen multiple people and it's so weird. Like I never understood that. Like why <laughs> like like you can't just wait till you get home or I, I don't, to the yeah. office or what what's the deal? The other one is people eating like legitimately a bowl of cereal while driving down the road. <laughs> I see that every morning and I never, I, I just, I don't understand the eating the cereal. If you got to eat on the go, there's all kinds of great options out there in the world from <laughs> Jimmy Dean breakfast sandwiches to like oatmeal bars. I mean, there's just so much out there. I don't understand why people have to eat a bowl of cereal. Um, yeah, get flashed every now and then. Those days have kind of gone away. Mm. But you used to always, I remember that, especially if you had a really nice truck, you'd always get flashed going down the road, you know, a girl in the back of the motorcycle or whatever. Sure. Um, you'd see that. I see, you know, mostly nowadays it's people on their phones. I see more of that than anything in the world. Mm. I see more people playing on their phones, including police officers, by the way. Which oh, I believe that, yeah. fires me up because here you are like going to write me a ticket if I touch my phone to look at the time and you're going down the road texting. <laughs> so, I never. Yeah, you have some uh, blackmail info. Well, that's, you know, that's yeah, a lot. To, uh, that's a lot to process. I have to tell you that first thing you mentioned, I don't have experience with in a moving vehicle. But the second thing, eating a, eating a bowl of cereal. Every day, my senior year of high school, I would take a bowl of cereal in the car and I would eat it on the way to school. 
you know what though? The funny thing is, is these aren't children. These aren't <laughs> high school kids doing this. This is like the guy in the Fortune 500 company going by in New York City. This is the this is the the the, the soccer van uh, dad, you know, on his way as a mechanic. You know what I mean? It, it's right. just, it's it, the mo- I've seen women doing all of their makeup going down the road. You know, doing eyeliner while they're driving. <laughs> like it just. Damn. It's, I, it, the mornings are the most interesting. In the afternoon, everybody's usually like, "Get out of my way! I want to go home." Yeah. And then there, the 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 crazy things you see there in the afternoon is usually like a beer. You know what I mean? Right. In their hand right. while they're on their way home. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, jerking off is like the least dangerous of all that. At least the least distracting of all those things. You can keep your eye on the road at I, least. I think so. I guess. Uh, I mean, not that we're condoning. <laughs> Any of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, just to yeah, be clear, no. our lawyers are like, their ears are perking up. Um, yeah. All right. To, to switch gears a little bit, uh, you know, as someone who's driven all over the country, what is uh, one or like some of your most scenic uh, routes, most scenic roads that you, you just love that are beautiful uh, and you love to experience? That is like very difficult I because I have so many, I mean, right now I'm, going up I-10 towards Las Cruces. And right now, the desert mixed in with mountains is just an amazing view. But running across, you know, oh man, 70 has got to be probably one of the best. Mm-hmm. Um, I-70 west of Denver, uh, all the way across at that point, is just amazing. Um, coming out of Reno, Nevada, crossing into California is amazing. But going up around the outer X in upstate New York is amazing. Maine is amazing. It, it's so hard. It, it, it kind of is like, I would say my, if I had to narrow down to my absolute favorite drive, it would have to be Moab. Going down through the desert in Moab yeah. in southern Utah is, that is probably single-handedly the best drive in the country. The Smoky Mountains are amazing, you know, like in, in their own right. And there's nothing in the there's nothing in the country like the Smoky Mountains either. So it's it's <laughs> it, it really is a, a difficult question to answer because every individual is different. It's more one of those things that you say, "I love the ocean. What's the best way to, for me to drive?" And then I tell you, you know. <laughs> right, right. As as a third generation truck driver, do you think that there's anything to uh, can it? Can it get addicting being on the road and driving by yourself and having this lifestyle? You know, is it is it something that people it's kind of get hooked on? One, one hundred percent. So uh, the thing is, is if you make it past your, some people will say two years. I say one year. If you make it past the first year, you probably will not quit driving truck mm. after that. It will be very hard for you to walk away unless uh, obviously there's family situations and things like that that would cause it um, financial situations probably too. But I noticed that when I'm parked, like right now, I'm on my way to Las Cruces. I'm going to be parked for probably four or five days. By the time I get back in the truck, I'm itching to go again in just that short amount of time. Wow. I, 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 as soon as I start driving, there's nothing like shifting the gears, going out onto the open road, shifting gears. It's just, uh, it's, it's addicting. It is when you start living that kind of lifestyle, you can't just walk away from it. It's, it's extremely difficult. And even at the mercy of like your wife and kids or, or family members saying, please come home. You have a hard time when you do come home because you're, you feel trapped. 
you feel like your wings have been clipped, you know, and, and it's, I don't know. I feel like this is the closest that the average citizen gets to being an adventurer or a, or a, uh, a pioneer in a way, you know, where they get to actually just, this is, I get paid to go do this. Yeah. What other job do I get to see the entire country, including Canada and get paid to do it? You know what I mean? So how do you just walk away from that? Yeah. It's, it's extremely addicting, extremely addicting. Plus you have all that cool lingo too. It's like your own language. <laughs> do kids still like look out um, at you out of their window when they're driving by and try to get you to honk their horn with that kind of like, you know, like pulling the cord yeah. motion or is that gone away? So, so uh, that has definitely slipped away over time. I knew it, but it still happens. Okay. It still happens. I mean, we, I, I get it. I, it used to be a point where it was like every single day, multiple times a day. Yeah. Right. And would you do it? Yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> it, it makes a truck driver's day when somebody does. I do it for adults. <laughs> I, um, I like, an elderly woman goes by me in the passenger seat doing the arm pump. She's getting the horn. You know, I, I, I do it for absolutely. Absolutely. It's got to feel pretty good. I, I, well, hopefully people listen to this and we kind of bring it back, you know, <laughs> it'd be great. You literally would make our day. <laughs> I appreciate you coming on and taking time on the road to, um, to come talk to us yeah this was great i think that it was really insightful and i learned a lot you answered a ton of my questions and gave us pretty good insight into what it's like to do your job which is really interesting and vital right now yeah i appreciate you having me on can i add one more thing though just a piece of advice for four-wheel motors i would love you to <clears throat> one of the biggest pet peeves and it's actually really really dangerous is when you go to pass a, a an eighteen wheeler semi truck and you ride beside their trailer or their tractor. Yeah. Don't sit there. If you're gonna pass us, pass us. Get get going. Get around us. Things that people don't realize is with one of our tires blows, it could literally shatter your passenger window. Right. It could shatter your passenger window. It could shatter windshields. It could kill you if our tires explode while you're sitting beside us. I. I cannot encourage motorists enough. Get around us. If you if you're uncomfortable uh, speeding, then you obviously don't need to go around us. Right. Otherwise, just get up around us and then go back to your normal traveling speed. Don't ride beside us. It's so dangerous. Well, I hope today uh, on the road in your journey you have you have some good luck, and I hope I hope you get to blow the horn for someone. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Now, now you've made me excited. I hope people start doing it. It needs to come back. That's for sure. We'll try to make it come back. Well, Brian, thank you so much. Good luck to you. I hope you get back to uh, trucking for some bands. But until then, good luck with uh, all your gigs. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. Awesome, man. You too. Talk to you soon. Bye. All right. Yep. Bye. All right. We're going to take a quick break, but more when we get back. All right, next up, we have Kelly Lynn McLaughlin. She's going to talk a little bit about what it's like to be a female trucker and how the industry has changed for the better in recent years. Here we go. Hello, it's Kelly. Hey, this is Will from Thrillist. Hi, Will. How are you? I am very well. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. <laughs> awesome. I got a good rest. It's not too hot yet, so we're good to go. <laughs> so where are you calling from? 
I'm calling from Brooklyn. I was actually just about to ask you, where are you right now? Uh, I'm so, I'm in well, I think I, I'm in Missouri, <laughs> so I'm I'm west of St. Louis by about an hour. How long have you been on the road during this this trip, this leg? What do you call it? I've been on the road since last Thursday. Okay. Yeah, and I just I just call it, you know, my trip. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I was trying so, to add a fancy word that didn't make sense to it. So. Yeah, no, there's no fancy word for it. You're just out on the road working. <laughs> um, and it's actually been a really, it's been a pretty interesting trip. Uh, I've had several brand new experiences to me, even though I've been doing this this job. Oh, yeah? For about five years. <laughs> And I was, and I was just like, oh wow, you know, it's, you know, it never gets old. It's always a little bit different, and um, you just never know what's going to happen. What so, happened? Uh, what happened on this trip that was different? I got into Connecticut from Maine, and then there was this huge, massive storm. Right, right, right. And the lightning was just—it was. I was parked, and the lightning was so bad that it was rocking my trailer, and it was just—it was jittery, you know. And um, as I'm sitting there eating my dinner, my I heard the crack and my truck starts to rock really bad. And I was thinking, man, that was a really big bolt of lightning. It must have been really close. So I opened up my curtains. We have these curtains that we can close off around our windshield to give us some privacy. I opened up my curtains and I saw somebody's trailer tail pulling away from my tractor and then backing up and hitting me not once, but twice. (laughs) And I've never been hit in a truck stop by another driver before. And so I ran after him in the rain and, um, I, you know, I was, I said, you know, Hey, you hit my truck. We need to exchange information. And he said, okay, fine. seems like a nice man. I'm just going to park it park it and then we can do that and he started to back up again and he was going to hit another tractor (laughs) and I told him I was like no man I said um let me help you I'm a trainer and I can I can tell you what to do and and help you back into these spots because he was doing the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do yeah with the steering wheel and um he would not have it I said I know I'm a girl but I, I know what I'm doing and I can help you do this. And he's like, no, no, I got it. And I, and I realized that, you know, he was one of those, he was an older gentleman. He was one of those old school people that think girls don't drop trucks. Yeah. <laughs> she can't possibly know what she's doing. And he tried again. And I was like, man, you just, you just need to stop. Just stop right here and we'll exchange your information and you can go do whatever you need to do. Has that happened yeah. to you frequently uh, as a female trucker? In your experience? Yeah. Um, it's less frequent now than in when it was when I was driving five years ago. And I'm still a newbie in this industry. Five years is nothing. Mm. I work with ladies and gentlemen that have been in here decades. There's one woman that is in, I'm in a professional organization called Women in Trucking Association. And there's one woman in our group. She's been driving for 50 years. Those ladies, I can't even comprehend what they had to go through in order to do what they enjoyed doing or wanted to do, which was this truck driving job. But when I first started, every time I would drive into a truck stop 
to try and find a parking spot. I was new. I was nervous. I wasn't terribly confident in backing up between two tractors. And every time I drove in, people would see my hair, which is blonde and curly most of the time, depending on the humidity. But um, I couldn't hide, right? And you could just feel and see people's heads turn, almost all men, as I drove in, like, you know, what's this chick going to do? And can she do it? And every once in a while, if it was a really hard backing spot, somebody might get out and spot me and help me but that was just so rare one time I went up to a customer and I can't remember what kind of factory it was but I had to back into the dock and literally I, I heard somebody yell to the people inside the warehouse hey come on out here and check this out and so there was this line of guys that stood on the dock with their arms crossed just to see if I could hit the dock. No way. Like expecting you to mess up. Yeah. Talk about pressure. And so, you know, like I was okay. Game on, man. And I got to that dock. I didn't even take a pull up. (laughs) A pull up is when you have to like pull up a little bit and then, you know, readjust your line. Okay. I I just, I just backed it right in and put it in the dock. And I was like, Hmm. You know, I wasn't sure I could do it without a pull up because, you know, usually I need a pull up. But um, it was so I was so nerved by the whole thing. You know, all these people, you could see them in your rearview mirror just standing with their arms crossed because I was a girl. They would never do that to a guy. Never. Um, one of the things I wanted to visit with you about was um, uh, Women and Trucking Association. Because as a woman, and I was a new driver, I was encountering situations where if I went to advice, most of my trainers were male. And I wanted advice on how to succeed in this industry as a lady. And I couldn't get that from them. And I wanted to constantly do better and be better and succeed. And... uh, I I ran across at a truck show this organization called Women in Trucking Association and they were super professional and they had men and women in their association and their mission was to celebrate the successes of women in this industry so they immediately could connect with, with women that were successful, right? They're mm-hmm. good role models. They wanted to break down the barriers to women. So they had, they had identified barriers that I hadn't even encountered yet. And they were working together as a team to identify and break down these barriers. And I always think that there's power in numbers, right? Do you sleep in your, in your cab every night? I do. I have, I have a, a, a top end very well outfitted tracker and her name is Amelia. I named her after Amelia Earhart. <laughs> She's a 2020 Freightliner. I have bunk beds in it. And the upper bunk folds up kind of like a Murphy bed. And then when I put it down, it has a telescoping ladder that comes down to the floor. So the person 
uh, it's a little bit easier to get up than some of the other ones where you have to climb like a monkey. So if I'm, I keep my tools and other kinds of dirty things underneath my bed that I, I, you know, don't want inside my living space. Right. So like I can reach my tools and things from the outside of my tractor. I also have a microwave, which was recently given to me. Okay. I had been living without a microwave for the last however many years and someone felt sorry for me and they're like, I think you really need a microwave. I was like, I don't. I, but anyway, I got it. And actually I use it. I kind of like it. I have a TV that I added this year and you can get a lot of channels on free over the airways, high def uh, channel. I have a fridge, which is the first, this is the first time I've had a fridge and a tractor and it was a complete game changer for me. Mm-hmm. And I have a little closet and I have about five or six different storage compartments for different things. And I have a CB. I have run two different navigation devices because if one dies, I need a backup. And when I'm going down the road, I just like to run a street view and uh, a trip view a little bit further out, you know, so you can see what's coming up close range and right. long range and see, you know, I just get a visual on where I am in my trip. My CB is a safety tool. I use it not to chat with other drivers, but to keep tabs on what's happening on the road in terms of collisions and weather and um, uh, traffic, backup, debris in the road, that kind of thing. Um, drivers will tell each other when we're in a, in a big, long backup. We'll tell each other where the, where the closure is, if it's really closed what lane is open. So if you're ever in, uh, I bet you don't drive a lot in Brooklyn. But no, I don't really. If you, if you do get out on the road and you see a bunch of tractors and they're all, and both lanes are stopped, but all the tractors are in a particular lane, you know which lane is open. <laughs> so you just get behind all the tractors and then you'll be able to get through. <laughs> we'll also tell each other where to, what exits are open that you can get off before you get to the um, they call it a brake check when the road comes to a, a standstill. So, yeah, you bring up an important point, um, you know, to follow the trucker sometimes because they are communicating and they know the roads and, you know, mm-hmm. you guys plan this out mm-hmm. really well. What other mm-hmm. advice would you give to non-truckers driving long distances mm-hmm. to help them, you know, be safe and also enjoy their trip? So what would I give to four-wheel drivers, cars? Yes, normies, us normies, not in the big one. <laughs> normies. Yeah. Okay, I would, I would tell the normies to give us our space, that everything in your house, everything at your job, everything comes on a truck. This country cannot last more than three days without us being able to do our job. So we need our space. So do not, when you're merging, don't think, that because, you know, you're quick and zippy that you have the right of way to merge into a tractor mm-hmm. because it, we're so heavy. It takes us a long time to stop and a long time to start. Just be patient, you know, merge legally. When you pass us, don't pull right in front of us. Pull way out in front of us. Don't hang out in our blind spots. We have huge blind spots that go all the way down the right side of our tractor and behind us. Huge. Don't hang out there. That is not a good place to be. But let me tell you about some of the things I really enjoy about this job because it's the reason 
that I moved past all of the frustrations and sure. I'm still doing it. Right. Well, you right? do. You seem like you are someone who definitely does enjoy their job and they're passionate about their job. So what is yeah. your favorite or some of your favorite things about driving trucks for a living? Um, one, I like the problem solving that comes with it because it's, it's all about, it's all, it's a lot of math and maybe that scares people off, but it's true. You know, like it's the geometry of how you articulate forward or backwards around a corner into a dock, um, speed versus, you know, uh, obstacle in the road, weather, um, it's, it's all kind of a math problem. And as you go down the road, it's constantly changing. And I really enjoy that. And I enjoy seeing different parts of the country. You know, I, I could be in two different regions of the country in a day. I have, I have 200 gallons of fuel in my tractor. Mm-hmm. I have 11 hours to drive. 200 gallons can get me 1,600 miles down the road. Give me some open road in eleven hours, and you know I can I can go from the desert to you know East Texas, or I can go from the Cumberland Gap up to um, you know like the plains where they grow all the corn, and you know I can go from the coast, you know, down in the Gulf to somewhere up in Missouri in the mountains. Kelly, what's one thing that you want people to know about truckers? and truck drivers and your industry in general? I want people to know that we are people. We are hardworking, diverse people. And, um, you know, we're not, I don't know what picture people think of when they think of a truck driver. Maybe I think it's an old, white, toothless, uneducated, unclean man. And that's just not right. I don't, I don't know how that stereotype got started, but we need to change that stereotype. We are a diverse group of people out here working hard to make our country run. Kelly, drive safe. Thank you for uh, sharing some of your wisdom, some of your experiences, and we'll talk yeah. to you soon. Yeah, I just really appreciate it. All right. Well, thank you, Will. And um, one of these days, I'd like to have a chat with you and find out what it's like to work in your shoes as well, because I think the media industry is, is intriguing and interesting as well. You can call me anytime from the road. You have my <laughs> cell phone. Okay. Thanks, Will. All right. <laughs> okay, cool. I'll talk to you later, Kelly. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. So switching gears. That's a truck pun. Sorry. Anyway, we have Matt Lee from Bonafide Trucking. He's got a great story. Let's dive right into our call. So, Matt Lee, how did you end up in the trucking industry? How did you become a trucker? Well, uh, for those of you who are not familiar with me, I uh, spent some time in the penitentiary, and I was looking for a change. I, and I was used to making fast money. I was used to making a nice amount of money but I was doing it illegally. Um, and I had had a change of heart. I had turned my life over to Christ. And I started to ask him what he wanted me to do once I was released from prison. But I did have some stipulations that I asked. I said, hey, you know, I want to make enough money so that I can take care of my, my family, 
and the people in my neighborhood and kind of just carve out a new path um, to go down for people that are coming behind me. And, you know, I started talking to some truckers that were incarcerated with me. And um, they were like, yeah, man. One of them told me his dad made $250,000 a year. I was like, what? Uh. And I don't got to watch my back for that 250K. He's like, nah, you got you to watch the IRS, though. The IRS want their money. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, man. So I just started to pursue trucking from there. And, um, you know, I, I ended up forming a company. And that's, that's where we're at now. And from that spawned a, a lot of other business ventures. Yeah. And was it just the money or were there other things about, you know, the money and the stability and everything that goes into it? Or did the job itself attract you for some reason? Well, it was more than the money, but let me correct you because there is no stability in trucking. Okay. Trucking is not only the most dangerous job in America, but it is also, I don't know if there's a more volatile job. And, um, and just to give you a picture of why it's so volatile, look at how often the prices go up and down on the things that you buy. A gallon of milk might be $5 this week. It might be $3 next week. It might be $7 the week after. All of those things affect trucking. And all of those, those prices that you get when you're in the store are actually affected by how much the transport costs. Mm. So is anything, this industry is anything but stable. Um, but, but one of the biggest things for me was, uh, I, I, I was, uh, on the run for six and a half years from, uh, the charge that I was incarcerated on. It was mm-hmm. a pretty heavy charge. And, um, I had saw a lot of the country, but while I was, you know, after I had settled down and, and started to switch my perspective of life, I started to see that there was so much in these places that I had been all around the country, California, Texas, Pennsylvania, New York. Chicago. So trucking mixed both of um, both goals. I needed to get some money, but I also wanted to travel. So trucking was, was good. Yeah, and have you found that through your uh, through your routes, you've been able to travel and see places that you wanted to see? Oh man, yeah, yeah. Especially uh, being an owner operator, um, or not even just being an owner operator, but being um, if you, if you work for a good company, mm-hmm. it's not always cracked up to be being an owner operator, but if you work for a good company, man, they allow you to choose where you want to go. You know, it's just that being an op- owner operator, I definitely get to say, Hey, I want to go to Texas this week, or I want to go here. I want to go there. You know? So I, I've definitely gotten to see some things that I wanted to see and some things that I didn't know I wanted to see, but I end up seeing them. And I was like, yeah, I'm glad I saw this driving through the Grand Canyon. Cause everybody thinks the Grand Canyon is just that, touristy part where you got it where you get out and take pictures and uh and and and, and they've got the guardrails and you can walk no mm. there's a part of the grand canyon where you drive through as well you know what i mean it's just the most famed part is the part where people get out and take pictures there's a part where it, you know you drive through there and, and just seeing this in the daytime it's like wow you know and yeah. i'm from the east coast so seeing all of that is just it's mind-blowing i'm wondering as far as driving long distances do you have any advice for lay people taking long trips um whether it's driving tips or just where to stop things like that you know as someone who lives on the road um trip planning plan your trip 
figure out and, and put and, and, you know, more than likely if you're going on a road trip, um, well, even if it's your first time, you kind of know how long you can drive. You went to your limits before. You you know that you're a person who can drive two or three hours, and then you're going to start to get drowsy. Yeah. But I want to I want to give you this piece that was taught to us in school. Just because you get drowsy doesn't mean it's time for you to pull over for good. So thirty a thirty minute cat nap can give you about three hours of drive time. So if you know that on a regular at a regular you know um, swing at thing. You can get three hours of good driving in once you wake up. Pull over for a half hour. That's why they got rest stops. Pull mm-hmm. over for a half hour. Put your sunshades on. Put that seat all the way to the back. Go to sleep for 30 minutes. Wake up and, you know, do another three hours if you're trying to make time. Um, but the most important thing that you have to, to, to do on any road trip, whether you're in a rig or a car, get rest before you leave. Mm-hmm. Do not just think that coffee is going to wake you up. You're driving for everyone else around you. There's somebody's grandma, somebody's father, somebody's daughter, somebody's son, somebody's wife or husband that is trying to get home or get to their next destination. And what you do on the road could inhibit them from getting there or it could uh, it could permit them to get there. So you're not on the road by yourself. You are a part of a collective, and it is each one of our duties to share the road safely. So, you know, I think the last thing I want to ask you is, I know you do, or I've, I've heard you talk about something called Why I Drive Wednesdays. And can you, yes. talk, can you talk a little bit about that, what that is and why you do it? I'm going to give myself a reason to be grateful that I woke up. And one of the most important things for me to remember is why I drive. Because there are definitely days where I, 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 I can't tell you how many days in my mind that I have quit. Yeah. I can't tell you how many days in my mind that I've just ran a whole uh, a whole line of, of four-wheelers. Those are our pedestrian cars, by the way. How many times I've just ran them off the road in my mind. You understand what I'm saying? And days when I want to, when, when, when a guy brake checks me or he doesn't want to let me over and I see one of my brother, my trucker brothers or sisters on the side of the road and I know how it feels to be on the side of the road and having vehicles just zooming past you and you're sitting there praying to God, hoping that they don't lose control. Those are the times where I have to remember, Matt, this is bigger than you. You are not just driving for yourself. You are driving for your family. You are driving for your nieces and nephews so that they can see an example of a better man. You are driving for those in your community who don't know what it is to be a, a businessman outside of rap or athletics. You are driving for the people who told you that you would never amount to anything. You are driving for the have not for those people that were told that they wouldn't be anything, who were told that they didn't deserve to be here on earth, who were told that they were a waste of space. You're driving for those people so that they can see that there is hope and that if you put your mind to it, you can achieve whatever it is that you're trying to achieve. I love that. Uh, Matt Lee, Bonafide Trucking. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. I know you're on the road right now, so appreciate your time and appreciate all your insight here too, man. Your story is great. Absolutely. Just want to let the people know, man, you can get the shirts from It's Deeper Than Trucking at uh, Amazon.com. Just type in It's Deeper Than Trucking at Amazon.com. Also, you can go to Good Faith Logistics. That's Good Faith Logistics, not Logistics, no S, just Good Faith Logistics. And uh, for those of you who are drivers, we have 
the the brokerage for those of you who are shippers. We have the logistics uh, side. And those of you who are interested in getting your CDL, if you need some help, a unconventional way of learning so that you can get your CDL permit, we have created flashcards and a tried and true proven method that will help you be successful in getting your CDL permit. It's a $10 uh, subscription for 30 days. And we almost can guarantee that you are going to have that license in 30 days if you follow our method. That's awesome. You're definitely an inspiration to a lot of people. And um, yeah, I hope you stay safe out there and keep doing what you do. Most definitely. It was an honor, Will, um, to just be recognized. I appreciate you guys. Thanks, man. Yeah, have a good day. Uh, Take some naps. Hopefully you get a good shower in. (laughs) And uh, yeah, talk to you later, man. I'm close close to home right now. Okay. So I'm going to load up and head home uh, and, and spend some time with the family. Even better, right? Absolutely. All right, man. Take it easy. Yes, sir. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but more from truckers when we get back. And last but certainly not least, we have Nate. He's a driver from Michigan who certainly has his fair share of crazy stories from the road. Uh, In particular, he has a very interesting story about a run-in with a lot lizard, as they're called. I didn't make that word up. Um, Don't Google it. You'll, you'll find out what it means. Let's get right to it. So, Nate, I'm, I'm wondering, what made you want to be a truck driver in the first place? Is it something that just kind of happened, or, you know, is it something you always wanted to do? Well, I, I, had, a, I, had, a couple, I had a couple of friends that uh, I had been talking to about it. I, I kind of just jumped for it on a whim, because, mm-hmm. you know, I had, I, I had gotten a advertising degree from grand valley and it just i just couldn't keep anything consistent couldn't land anything yeah so i was like you know i really like to travel you know and i would really like to see the country so why not get paid to do it you know and 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 to that you know since you've been driving have you been able to explore a lot of the country that you hadn't been able to experience you know, before. Well, I've been to all 48 states of the lower. Um, obviously, you can't truck to Hawaii. And, no, not yet. You know, Alaska <laughs> is kind of like the uh, holy grail. So <laughs> the veteran truckers get those loads going to Alaska if you're working for a company because they're always vouching for them. So you're kind of, I'm kind of a low guy. I'm on the low guy in the totem pole still because you got guys that have been in this industry for you know some of them i mean my last company his the owner of the company had his uncle working for him and his uncle was pushing 90 years old 90 still driving a, yep still driving the truck oh my god still driving the truck right now healthy as a horse do you <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing um do you want so you would want to go to alaska that seems like uh don't they make isn't there a show about how hard it is to do truck runs up there? Oh, you know, I, I, I always like to try things at least once mm-hmm. before I pass judgment on it. Yeah, and I think, I think that would be a challenging but fun trip to do. I don't know if I'd want to do it in the winter time. Yeah, I think I'd want to try it in the summertime first, but. That being said, I've been on Fourth of July path in Idaho 
on the you know in 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 April and it's snowing on the top of snowing in April, you know. On, on, in Idaho. I've had friends that have been in uh in Donner's Pass in California in the middle of July and it's snowing up there. So you know, it's it's kinda hard to say can anything can happen, you know, in in that part of the country. Yeah. Since you've started driving, since you've started trucking professionally, what have you learned about driving long distances and being on the road all the time that you didn't necessarily either know or even really think about before? It, the diesel gets in your blood. The diesel? That, yeah, it's like, that's the saying that we have out here. It's, it's because it's really hard to shake it once you get it. Mm-hmm. Once, once you get used to it. You know, it's hard to explain. Um, other truckers that might be listening, they would know exactly what I'm talking about. So, I, you know, it's, it, it's, it's not just a job or a career. It, it's a, it really is a lifestyle that uh, you have to kind of accept in order to really get into it. You know, what is one of the crazier things or the most notable thing that has happened to you while you're driving? Have you ever seen anything kind of ridiculous or something that really sticks out to you? When I first started driving, nobody, you know, I was very naive and um, I stopped and picked up a load and uh, at Campbell Stoop in a little town called Maxon, North Carolina, Okay, which is South Central North Carolina, like uh, 30 miles north of South Carolina. And, you know, I'm looking around. It's a small town, and I'm all unassuming, and I think nothing of it. You know, there's a truck stop right across the street. I go park at it. I didn't even have my brake set when I had to, before I had this lady up on my steps, you know. Yeah. And, and uh, I'm like... I didn't quite know how to handle it because I've never handled with, I've never had to, you know, interact with a, with, um, we call them lizards. Yes. I've heard that term. The lot lizard, right? (laughs) Not to be offensive to anyone, but I mean, that's, you know, that's what they call. Yeah. You know, so she, she, she was up on my steps and I was like, okay, what are you doing on my steps? And, uh, (laughs) she asked me, um, if she could have money to, for heat, you know, she needs a, she wanted, she said she wanted to go buy gas to, um, to, to put in her tank. I guess she lives in a mobile home behind the place. Sure. And, uh, uh, I, you know, I said, well, I'll go, I'll go grab your gas can. I'll go fill it up. And she goes, well, I'm actually really hungry. Uh, and I said, okay, I'm sure there's food in there. I'll go in there and buy a burger or something if you want. She goes, why won't you just give me money? And I said, because I believe you'll buy drugs with it. Sure. And she reached to the window and smacked me. <laughs> so She hit you? She hit me. So oh, God. I, I wrapped her across the, the knuckles with a tire bat that I had to get her off my truck and she fell down and she said she was gonna she she was gonna shoot me and all that, you know. 
I called the cops. You know, I had her pinned down. I called the cops. She says my her brother's gonna her brother's gonna take care of me. Right, right. <laughs> and uh, you know, just talking. And the cop shows up, and she gets up. I let her up, and she goes, "That's my brother," and got in the front seat of the cop car and took off. <laughs> what? So I was like, "That yeah, that was a very real moment for me." And I was like, you know. Ain't nobody going to take care of me out here except for me, you know. Wow. So. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> All right. I have I have one last question for you, and this is something I brought up with, with someone else in the show. Uh, do you like it when people drive by and try to get you to honk your horn? You know, they do like the, the pulley cord thing. Oh, do you enjoy love that? It. You love it? <laughs> That's love what the it. other guy said, too. <laughs> have, do you, have you seen a drop-off in people doing that? Because it feels like I don't personally see... I mean, I'm not a trucker, but I feel like I, I, you see less of that now with kids. I, I don't... I don't... I have noticed a drop-off. Because, I, I mean, I guess as a kid, I always did. It. Yeah, me too. So, you know, so it, it never... I know it. it never gets old for me when I see... Uh, especially a little kid asking me to honk the horn. <laughs> I enjoy it just as much as they do. So all the little kids out there never stop asking. So hopefully people will listen to this out there and we'll bring it back in some small way. Because it seems like truckers really do like it. It's not annoying you guys, huh? No, no. <laughs> I, I, I mean, if they are, they, they need to get out of truck driving because you got to have a little bit of humor to to make it through the day you know you gotta have a little bit of fun out here and that's just one of the things that you can do as a truck driver to make the day go by a little bit faster yeah exactly that's what we all need right no matter what we do yep <laughs> um yep exactly so <laughs> all right nate thank you so much again uh good luck stay safe and thanks for talking to us for a little bit all right thank cool. you Thanks, Nate. Bye. Have a nice day, yourself. You too. Bye. All right, big thanks to all of the truckers for calling in from the road, and an even bigger thanks to the Thrillist podcast team, Megan Kirsch, Jim D'Amico, producer Mia Fask, Emily Feld, Brett Kushner from iHeartRadio, Mangesh Hadakudor, and last but not least, Dan Byrne, who edited and mixed this episode. We'll see you all next week. Stay safe out there and stay strong. Bye. Bye.